Hello and welcome to the All Bets Are Off podcast. My name is Ryan and I'm your host. Before we get into it, I really wish to thank you for checking us out and giving us a listen. Obviously, if you are here and you're having difficulties with problem gambling, perhaps pre-recovery or you feel that you're at risk or just at a really low ebb, then please, please feel free to reach out. Trust me, there are plenty of people on your side, including I, along with my co-hosts Chris, Kelly and Kish. There are also many support groups available, including Gamcare and Gamblers Anonymous, among many, many others. We are all one big community, and so anyone who reaches out automatically becomes part of that family. There really is just so much support out there, so please don't suffer in silence. We're in it together. Keep the faith. Let's crack on with the pod. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the All Bets Are Off podcast. My name is Ryan and I go by the name of at Ruined Gambler over on Twitter. It's an absolute delight and a pleasure to be hosting this new podcast with two people I have an untold amount of respect for, both Kelly and Chris. Now, you'll both be pleased to hear that I've got the official branded podcast mugs on order so hopefully in a couple of weeks time i'll be able to see you both sipping out of them anyway um i know that you're uh, both of you are, are prevalent online in terms of the gambling recovery side of things as well as campaigning for reform and safer gambling practice and so forth and so with that in mind i'm sure that many of our listeners may have already interacted with you but some listeners might not have so firstly i think it's only fair that you both introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit more uh, all, all about yourselves. Yeah, so my name's Kelly Field. I'm 37 um, and I struggled with a gambling addiction in uh, 2010. Uh, it was primarily online gambling. It started online bingo, quickly moved on to the slots. Um, and my recovery journey has been quite difficult and hard in terms of trying to find help back then. Uh, I really struggled to find help because it's Gambling's a very much a male-dominated arena, and I found, you know, places for help, sort of GA, very much a, gam- um, a male-dominated um, arena sort of platform. So I've sort of struggled with help. Um, so I went public with my story in 2014 to raise awareness of gambling addiction, but also female gambling addiction, because I think the female's very underrepresented in gambling addiction. Um, and also I sort of sort of wanted to highlight a few things and and sort of get some changes within the industry that um you know that credit cards should be banned from online gambling because a lot of my debt came from online gambling uh, from credit cards um so you know i think as well that um credit cards i felt caused or were a big hindrance with um suicide in in gambling addiction um i also campaign for adverts to be off tv before 9 p.m and I know, obviously, this week we've heard that during COVID, during lockdown, the adverts are going to be off TV temporarily. Um, and I also campaign for celebrities to not endorse these sites because they're sort of all singing, all dancing and glamorising gambling. Um, so that's sort of where I'm up to with my gambling addiction and recovery. Cool. Well, I'm, a, I'm Chris. I'm Chris Gillam. I'm 38 years old um, and I, too, am a recovering gambling addict, obviously having had issues um, 
that came to an end in 2017, actually. October the 29th, 2017 was my last bet. Um, this is a gambling podcast, so I'm not going to mention this too much, but I'm also in recovery for AA. And I think that's important just to mention that because I ha- I'm recovering from cross addictions, um, which is um, slightly different, but it means I have a great fellowship of people to help. And also it means I might be able to bring, and that's what I hope to this podcast, Kelly gets to bring that brilliant like woman's insight and I get to bring a little insight around the cross addiction as well. Um, and for me, I was in a place in 2017 where I felt suicide was the only way out. And thank God that didn't happen. Thank God I found the other way. But just like Kelly, there was a lot of online gambling, especially at the end. Um, in my gambling career, as I call it, um, there was the going to bookies. There was the on-land casinos, um, which I self-excluded from. But I didn't do that with all of the online casinos and through advertising that I saw on the telly. Probably come with this later on, but... I remember Ant and Deck being there, 32 red, and then I used 32 red, and I used their game that they um, endorsed, and then I moved on to the roulette online. And you know, there's it's very, very hard to stop, um, near on impossible when you're in that kind of dark, dangerous place. Um, slightly different to Kelly, I have gone down the Gamblers Anonymous route, um, and we'll touch on this later, I think, as well about the women's side of things in GA and not in GA in different ways to recover. But I think that's great as well that we've. On here, there are two of us, um, myself and Kelly, and then yourself as well, Ryan, but me and Kelly, who've been in recovery for a while, but both use different routes to recovery. And I'm sure there's a lot of crossover in what we like and what we talk about as well. And, you know, my story has been, I I first went on to the BBC Hooked podcast and spoke about uh, myself there. That's when I decided to not be anonymous. And yesterday, um, Monzo Bank, well, actually it wasn't yesterday, it might have been the day before, but released a piece on me about my... um, recovery from gambling um, and my gambling story so that's out there and now that I, it's public I really just want to help others I'm there to help others as well as try and drive some change in the industry um, you know they need to have some care it isn't about the gambler this isn't just about the gambler uh, being responsible for their gambling because those of us in active addiction as much as we might like to be cannot be and the gum, the gambling sites need to play their part as well. Absolutely. Totally, uh, totally agree with you there, Chris and, uh, and Kelly. And thank you for that. In terms of myself, I haven't really prepared, um, prepared a, a statement or anything in terms of in terms of my recovery. Um, uh, and, and I'm sure as we go through the podcast, obviously, we'll learn more about myself and, and both of you. Um, needless to say, is I am um, uh, anonymous at the moment online. And I'm sure, you know, I'll get to a stage where you know, I'll, I'll be happy to come out. I'm very much in the infancy of my recovery. Uh, today will be day number 38 um, of of, uh, of not having a bet. Um, so getting to that uh, first calendar month that I can, uh, in my adult life, that I've never had a bet and I'm, what, 32 now. So um, so really proud of, of myself for that. But I'd like to thank you both for agreeing to be involved in this project of sorts. Now, Kish can't be uh, with us today, um, um, but he, he has been a big part of the setup and, and will feature in, on future editions. It must be said uh, that there are absolutely zero expectations. And I guess we're um, sort of all just going with the flow. I think all of us feel that there can never be enough platforms or mediums to share lived experience of problem gambling. And so if this podcast helps just one single person in any way whatsoever, then I think we've done more than enough and, and we'll be fully satisfied with our work. Now, um, 
each podcast we'll be discussing a few different topics that are among us, uh, whether it be about the gambling industry itself, lived experience, ideas and possible solutions on, on various discussion points. And hopefully later on down the line, uh, we can get some listener participation too. Uh, but uh, for now, let's just crack on with our very first podcast together. Okay, so first up, Kelly, I really wanted to touch upon your video that you uploaded to YouTube a, a week or so ago, in which you touched upon uh, a possible difference in recovery journeys between that of a female to a male. Uh, what exactly did you mean by that? Yeah, so I think with gambling addiction, as I sort of said earlier, I think it's gambling and gambling addiction is very much seen as a male-dominated sort of addiction a male dominated sort of pastime if you like that it was very much that men would go to the bookmakers or men would go to the horses or you know men would go to the dogs and it was very much that you wouldn't really see a woman in in a bookmakers and I think in society again I think there's very different roles and expectations of women and men and very much has been for you know for a lot of years that um, sort of women are seen as the, the housemaker, you know, have the babies, stay at home, look after the children, look after the husband. And I know things have changed and things have moved on slightly. But I think in terms of gambling addiction, I do think that it is very far behind with other addictions and very misunderstood. But again, like I said, I think it's very much seen as a male dominated addiction. And I think as a woman and I think as a lot of women um, who suffer with gambling addiction, I think the pressures of life today and the pressures of expectations and roles within society for women, that women, I think, have got to be strong and, you know, look after the home, look after the children, look after the husband and keep everything together, if you like. So to then sort of admit a weakness that you've, you know, suffered with an addiction uh, and a gambling addiction where, you know, like I've always said, gambling addiction is very much seen as a leisure, a leisure activity and something you do through choice. So I think people then, because there's no substance to it, I think people really struggle to see the addiction side of it because it's something you do through choice. So I think as a woman in recovery, like I said, when I spoke out back in 2014 to highlight gambling addiction as a real addiction that it is, you know, and it is an illness, it is an addiction. And also that women do suffer from this, you know, and it's not just men that, you know, suffer with, with gambling addiction. And I know, again, even... Sort of typically women suffer with bingo as, as a gambling addiction. That's how women suffer. And, you know, that's how women are targeted on the television in the daytime. It's very much seen as um, that's a woman thing. And so, you know, I do think that women do suffer. And I just wanted to highlight that as well within sort of gambling addiction, that women do suffer. And, and, and it is OK to speak out and you don't have to go public like I did. But there is more help and platforms out there these days for women, you know, so you don't have to suffer in silence. Would, would, would it be fair to say that uh, what with the evolution of the online gaming industry, because I know we can talk about obviously old school sort of, um, you know, um, gender roles. I must admit, as, as a bit of a, a lefty and feminist, I, I really don't like that. Uh, I don't like the term itself, uh, quote unquote, gender roles. Uh, would you say that um, due to the evolution of the online gambling um, uh, industry, uh, that has been the most proficient part in all of this and the exposure, as you say, to... Uh, uh, for women in terms of in terms of gambling well, I think it's massive and like I said I do think the industry target women in the daytime you know which you only have to sort of sit and watch these adverts that 
in the daytime, they're very much pink and fluffy and all singing, all dancing, glamorising, gambling and sort of using well-known celebrities. And then sort of come tea time when typically the man may come home from work and, and have his tea and then maybe want a, a gamble on something, it, it goes a bit darker and it's more sports betting and uh, casino and that type of betting. So I do think that, you know, the industry sort of do know who they're targeting and when they're targeting. Um, and, you know, so there is women and men can suffer with gambling addiction. Um, but I think, you know, it's very different for women and men, um, sort of the recovery process and, and the process of how they go through it. I think it, it is very different. Sure. Yeah. And I think what Kelly just said there, that's really, really interesting because uh, through GA, I've met, I've met, you know, quite a lot of women actually through GA. But at the same time, um, a lot of the fellowship rooms are quite male uh, dominated, to be honest. And it's probably because of the type of stuff that Kelly's been talking about. Um, but I know from listening to those who are there, their stories, a lot of this has come about because of the online gambling and because of the type of kind of specific advertising aimed at certain genders or certain age groups at different times of the day and on different types of channels. Um but what I think is great, and I've learned a lot from these women, that's that's the other beauty of it. So you know, I would love more women to turn up at our meetings because you get a different flavour of of um, of what they did and what they went through. And that can help my recovery. That can help everyone's recovery, including their own, hopefully. And what I do find really interesting, actually, is, I, I, you know, there aren't that many people, that many women who come to our evening Gamblers Anonymous meetings. However, I'm aware of a meeting that started um, last year, I think it was, and that's at a lunchtime. So that's at midday. And the interesting thing about that group is it has around about 50% women that attend. And that's because, you know, it does fit their life better. Some of those are single mums and they can get there when their children are at school. Whereas at a nighttime, actually trying to get the childcare to get to a meeting doesn't work for them. So it's all good that we've got these different options out there. But equally, I think these fellowships and that, that are available, we need to make ourselves more available as a fellowship or as a as a type of um, recovery, I don't know, um, charity or whatever the case may be. We need to make ourselves available for everybody who can be addicted to gambling. And it isn't just a male issue. It totally isn't. You know, it, I'm, I'm sure it could be 50-50 and there's no reason why not this gambling just... It, 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 it picks anybody. It doesn't matter on your gender. It doesn't matter on your age. It doesn't matter. Anyone can get this. So we need to help each other. And I've learned an awful lot from women in recovery. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of uh, gambling itself, I mean, I guess you could certainly, um, Kelly touched upon it in terms of the old school sort of, you know, smoke ridden bookmakers was always a bit of a, a laddish sort of thing, I guess you might say. But but women and, and gambling is certainly not a taboo subject anymore. And and one of the things that has helped um, women like you, Kelly, come into the forum and, and speaking openly about your experiences. And so, you know, I, I for one certainly thank you for that. Um there's no getting away from the research in terms of, you know, uh, you know, there is research that suggests that men are seven and a half times more likely to become problem gamblers than than that to a, a woman. And there, there is a number of different reasons for that. You know, men are, are more likely to have an addictive nature, socio, uh, sociological reasons and the environment for which men would typically, typically, again, I use that term loosely, expose ourselves to and, and the way in, in which uh, gambling is marketed and, and take sport, for example. You know, uh, an average man uh, would tend to consume a lot more sport than, than that of a woman. I know that's something that we're going to be touching 
upon uh, a little bit later on. Uh, would you say that now we're living in a much more open and perhaps liberal society, Kelly? Certainly one in which we're actively encouraged to come forth and talk about our feelings and emotions. Has this had a, a positive and profound impact on the uh, problem gambling road to recovery? Yeah, I think over the years, and I've definitely noticed that there is more help out there, you know, because like I said, when I was trying to get help, um, it was it was at the point that I'd gone to town one day and put £1,600 overdraft on one of our joint accounts after I'd maxed out the credit cards. And, and after sort of spending that in less than an hour on online slots, I'd snapped up the card and started scratching away at my wrist. Um, and that was sort of my realisation, really, that I probably did need to go try and get some help. So through myself and my partner looking it was very difficult to find the help but I did go to the doctors and within a week I had a counselling appointment but the counsellor never turned up on the first session so I was sort of left another probably 18 months two years gambling and probably much you know a lot more debt and, and a lot worse off meant with my mental health and was sort of went into a dark place and was was more sort of suicidal if you like so as a, as of then as the time's gone on and the help, I found Beacon Counselling Trust when, when I was looking back in 2014, by accident really, it wasn't readily available for me, you know, to to, to go and find. Um, it was by accident that I found that. And so, of course, I knew of GA, but again, I sort of, I would have never have gone to a GA because my impression was that it was a very male-dominated arena. And I know that's changed a lot over the years because I've spoke to women who do say that they do attend a GA and again at GA if it's in your area it's great and I've spoke to a lot of people where you know they don't have a GA in their area or local to them um, and I know obviously I've done some work with with Beacon Counselling Trust which is northwest based and I've also done some work with the um, the Northern Gambling Clinic that sort of opened up in Leeds um, and then went to Sunderland and they've got um, now a facility in Salford so, you know, that that's sort of a wide span of, of the northwest of England because I think that's where we were struggling in the northwest of England. We didn't have much help for uh, recovery and support, but obviously now we do. Okay, that's good Good to hear. And Chris, for, for you, I guess it's sort of role uh, reversals, um, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the whole coming out process and, um, you know, speaking uh, to your family about things. You know, I'm I'm intrigued, Mm. um, you know, uh, particularly in this day and age where we're all encouraged to, and, and, you know, it's it's certainly very best to get out your feelings and emotions. How did you uh, feel um, when you, when you came out, did you feel emasculated at all or uh, how did that go for you? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, first things first, the reason I got to where I was with gambling was because I was scared to share my emotions. It was because I didn't talk about how I felt because all the fear that I'd felt over the years. And, you know, was I doing things that would upset people or was I not doing things as well as I should and all that kind of stuff? Am I failing my family? Am I failing myself? Um, I couldn't share any of that stuff. So actually, the first time I did actually really start to share was when I came out about my um, gambling issues and then when I went to GA and spoke about it. And actually in the world today, you know, with the mental health um, issues being so prevalent, you know, we talk about them all the time. Um, And that's a great thing because mental health is so important. And it's because of my mental health that I went down this gambling gambling line. And um, actually, when I turned up to my first J meeting and shared this to a group of people I didn't know, it took away a lot of that fear straight away. And it's funny, isn't it? Because you think men, you know, men don't cry. Men don't men don't uh, 
share their emotions. Well, I can tell you, having gone to GA for the last two and a half years, the bravest, most powerful things that I have seen is a man coming in or a woman coming in, young or old, makes no difference, sitting there and telling everyone else in that room, people they don't know, their story, crying, smiling. You know, it's just amazing. You know, it starts with crying. A few weeks later, it can be smiling. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just incredible. It's just incredible. So I didn't feel less of a man. What I realised was that actually from what I did, I became more of a man, I suppose. I don't really like using that term, but that's how it is. You know, I became somebody who could share my feelings. And in sharing my feelings, I could start to look after myself. I could start to look after my family. All the things I should have been doing when I couldn't share these things because I was bottling them up, thinking I'm bottling them up to help myself and help others. Absolutely not. Now by me sharing, other people sharing, we're all helping each other. Um, so I just think, you know, it's fabulous. Get those feelings out there. Always reach out. Reach out for help. Don't keep this to yourself. Gambling will eat away at you. But as Kelly said earlier, there's lots of help out there. Lots and lots of help. Don't be scared. Reach out. Brilliant. Thanks for, for that, Chris. And Kelly, for, for yourself, um, I know obviously you've just um, spoken a, a little bit about your experience. So in the end, um, did you ever attend a, a Gamblers Anonymous at, at all? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think I'm sort of thinking now on the lines that maybe it would be probably good to maybe go and go to one and, and sort of speak to people and, you know, get other people's perspective. And I think because I do what I do and I'm quite prevalent online and I've sort of done a bit of TV and radio and whatever. I'm not saying I'm a celebrity by any means, but I just think when people sort of know what you do and have, have, have seen what you do, I think they sort of gravitate towards you a bit more and feel more comfortable sort of discussing things with you and talking to you about things because they know you understand and I think it's that understanding of the same topic that makes people more comfortable telling you things and talking to you and sharing their sort of story and experiences. Sure, sure. I mean, on a personal note, I, I know that I found disclosing all the, the details of my secret life as a, as a gambling addict, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a world in which, you know, I'd been able to hide from uh, my family for the large part of the, 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 the past 15 years. I find it really difficult. Um, you know, do I think, um, you know, uh, keeping in line with, with what we're discussing, do I think this experience would have been more uh, difficult to cope with 20, 30, 40 years ago? Uh, most certainly so. And that's not because of the, um, you know, ever evolving support groups, the ability to self-exclude from uh, gambling products or, or put blockers on my bank account, along with all these other support mechanisms that we have now. One of the biggest things for me back then would have been, you know, societal acceptance and to, to live in this modern age, you know, and it being deemed okay to come out and admit that you've got a problem, that you need help and support, whether you're male or female, adult or, or a child. It's, it's a really positive sort of uh, time and, and generation that we live in. For now, uh, we're just going to go for a quick break. Don't worry, we're not monetized, and so we don't have any adverts uh, on this podcast. Instead, um, you're going to hear me uh, promoting our Twitter handle uh, and telling you a little bit more about uh, the soon-to-go-live website. I'll be back with Kelly and Chris for part two in a jiffy. Thank you. 
Well, there we have it. That's the end of part one of today's podcast, but there's still plenty more to come in the second half. I'd like to take this opportunity to politely ask our listeners to give the podcast a follow over on Twitter. Our handle is at allbetsareoff underscore. And in our bio, you'll be able to find details of the team that are involved in putting this together. Uh, We do have a website on the way and on there, once available, you will be able to find out more about the podcast and it will house every episode that we record but perhaps more pertinent there will be a number of signposts uh, available on there to a whole host of different gambling recovery service providers and charities and there will also be some safeguarding tips to help parents protect children from gambling related harm so stay tuned for that we will of course release details in due course Uh, thank you very much on to part two Welcome back to part two of the very first edition of the All Bets Are Off podcast. And with me, I've got the excellent Kelly Field and Chris Gillum, uh, both of uh, who are sharing their knowledge, views and insights on various bits and pieces uh, relating to gambling uh, and recovery. Right now, though, I wish to touch upon betting advertising in the sports industry, along with celebrity endorsements. I know it's something Kelly spoke about um, a short while ago. Now, I know that this is something that you're both passionate about. What do you um, what do you make of celebrities that sell themselves off to the devil, Kelly? Again, you know, my sort of thing on this is that celebrities should not be allowed to endorse these sites because, for one, you know, these products that are advertised in the daytime are products that are aimed at 18 plus. So they're aimed at adults. So, you know, for one, they shouldn't be on the telly before 9 p.m. But these celebrities that are paid to endorse these sites, you know, all singing, all dancing and sort of using phrases like everyone's a winner and everybody's playing and every 20 seconds we have a winner and you know, phrases that sort of encourage people. And I think in in the current climate that we're in, where people are using food banks and people are sort of, you know, on the breadline, that slogans like, you know, deposit £10 and we'll give you 60. Well, for somebody who's really struggling and may have £10 to feed the family and put some gas and electric in the meter or spend £10 on one of these sites and end up with £70, which we all know they're not going to get because, you know, wagering requirements and, and such like. But I just think, they use well-known, well-loved celebrities that are on programmes that, you know, we, we all enjoy and that we all like and, and the celebrities that we all have a lot of respect for. And I really don't agree with it. And I do think it should be banned. Yeah, and on that as well, I mean, thinking about what you just said there, Kelly, you know, Harry Redknapp, for example, at the moment, I can't remember, is it? I can't remember, but, you know, he's on there because he's a football manager, but he's also on there because he wins I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out Here. So it isn't about just hitting those males between i don't know 18 and 40 watching the football actually it's about trying to grab that much much bigger community of people who watch them in a jungle um and it's you know it's just incredible isn't it i mean from personal experience um and and deck they there was a slot game which they advertised for 32 red um i hadn't used 32 red before i got on that site and used that site because of that and obviously i then moved on to the roulette and stuff like that but i used that game because Anton Deck had been on the telly that night um, talking about it. And it's funny that Kelly talks about the bingo as well during the daytime, because even though I'm a man, I did play bingo on the odd occasion. And one of the um, first times I did it was because Barbara Windsor was on an advert. Um, And it's kind of a long time ago now, many, many years before I um, 
realised I had a problem, but I won £750 from going on that site. And that was one of those hooks that got me in there, which then, you know, you know what the downward spiral was like. So it's not right. I don't think they should be used. And there are so many. It's absolutely crazy. Jose Mourinho at the moment as well. You know, we all know our favourite bet 365 man. Um, I think it's got to be stopped. But I am glad that currently between, you know, up to nine o'clock, there's nothing on the TV. Um, but there's a lot of online advertising that goes on as well. Um, and it's important that that is dealt with going forward. Yeah, and I know that's something that we're we're going to speak about next week in terms of the uh, social media uh, advertising aspect of things. In terms of uh, uh, 32 Red, uh, funny you should say that, uh, Chris, is um, I'm a, an Aston Villa fan and uh, I'd never really heard of 32 Red until a few years ago. And then they were front of shirt sponsors and I ended up creating an account and I probably would have never have done it. <laughs> Because I'd never heard of them um, had they have not been so prevalent in terms of, you know, slap bang across in the middle of the shirt that I was wearing. Um, but uh, and one of the, the, the biggest things that really aggravates me, and, and it's the sort of thing that Kelly touched upon a moment ago, you know, um, in terms of uh, those people that are struggling. And, you know, um, it really aggravates me when Ray Winston and, uh, you know, and his massive head bobbing along my television screen telling me who's going to score next and, and what to bet on. Now, this is a man that comes from and professes to represent the working class. And in 2013, he came out and was bragging about not paying tax for 20 years and admitting that he was spending more than he was earning. And I just think it's a, a sort of, you know, talk about pot kettle, you know, the, 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 the gambling industry feasts on the poor and the vulnerable. And, you know, this is the same class he grew up in East London. Not only that, but he's been bankrupt himself, not once, but twice. And this typifies a man that, for me, uh, sold his soul. And, and, and that's as far as far as it is, as far as I'm concerned. I know, you know, someone like myself, as I grew up in a, in a very poor, um, you know, living on a breadline area. And, you know, if, if I was, you know, rich and, and famous, there's absolutely no way that I would be advertising anything, certainly gambling, uh, which is going to take advantage of the people that, um, you know, I, I grew up with, uh, essentially. Um, so uh, along with celebrity endorsements, we're also of an era where a number of sports are selling themselves off to betting companies. And there's even a case to suggest that some sports are becoming ever reliant on revenue for sponsors within the gambling industry. Take football as an example. Half of Premier League uh, football clubs have betting logos on the front of their shirts, along with 17 out of 24 clubs in the championship. How does football or any sport that has gone down that route change um because now we're we're that far down the track surely it's going to be a difficult task in reversing their way out of it in fact in february there was a, a, an opinion piece that i remember reading in the independent titled football itself is is addicted to money from the betting industry now what are your thoughts on this chris as i know that you're a, a big football fan and you know how do we go about changing it absolutely well i mean this is a really tough one isn't it um I think, well, to be honest, unless there's a change in the Gambling Act, it's not going to, we're not going to see sponsorship stop in football. I think that's the first thing. Um, so secondly, it's like what can be done now as, as it as currently is. Um, and I think it comes down to football clubs themselves making a decision that it's the right thing to do. Um, I mean, what they should be doing, they, you know, they should be engaging with their local communities, talking to independent gambling harm groups, um, who can educate the clubs around, you know, 
what kind of risks there are around gambling and including suicide, of course, because that's a massive risk. You know, there are a lot of people who commit suicide because of gambling more than more than other addictions. Um, I think the thing about football is it normalizes it for the younger generation as well. A lot of children at football matches. You know, I actually go, I've got a season ticket at West Ham, although I'm a Liverpool supporter. Um, so that's just the way it is. But, you know, West, West Ham, that's sponsored by Betway. Um, that's all over their shirts. You stand there and all around the pitch, as, as it is at every, near, nearly every other club, there is advertising all around that pitch in the match day programs. Children are seeing this and it becomes so normal and it feels like they are preparing their next generation of gamblers. Um, having said that, you know, some clubs are doing some great things. You know, last week it was, um, you know, I read about Tranmere Rovers. And is it Mark Palios, I believe, is their, yeah, it is, yeah. is their chairman? Well, they've um, teamed up with um, The Big Step, which is gambling. Uh, gambling uh, Jamie, I can't remember Jamie's surname right now. Sorry, Jamie. But I've been, in <laughs> I've been in touch with Jamie and they're doing a great piece of work. So they are teaming up with Tranmere and essentially um, the club principally, they reject any gambling sponsorship. Um, that's what Mark, you know, Mark decided to do that. Uh, and they fully support the cause of The Big Step. Um, what they're going to do is they'll raise awareness of gambling addiction and industry malpractice at the club. And what uh, the big step are going to do in the short term is they will signpost anyone struggling with gambling uh, health related harm to both Gamban and also to the NHS Northern Gambling Services. So that's just fantastic. That shows what a club can do if they've got those right principles. Um, so, you know, it isn't all bad news. Mm -hmm. It's it's it can be good news, but equally, you know, when I think of football right now, and they're not even in the Premier League, I think Derby County, I think Wayne Rooney, I think mm -hmm. 32 Red. And that's mm -hmm. that's that's the problem. Um, there's a long way to go to change this stuff. I think clubs, as I say, clubs need to be educated. Clubs need to make that right call. They need to realise what this sponsorship is doing. What, you know, I don't know how many times people see a... Um, logo of a betting company on match of the day but i know it's very high there was something done on this ages ago it's something i don't know you've probably got the stat there i imagine uh, no uh, so and <laughs> no, i'm just about to say i know that there was some research on this recently um and in preparation for the podcast fully enough um i searched high and low for it <laughs> i couldn't locate <laughs> anywhere anywhere but this particular bit of research that you're alluding to showed the true extent of just how regular a viewer of a premier league game between two clubs with betting logos on their shirt funnily enough i think one of them was west ham uh, would see betting advertisements um you know during that that during that match um so before uh, during after and not necessarily just on the shirts when you have close-ups but you're talking as you said um pitch um side of pitch sponsors and and mm. the like and it was really pretty scary it was like every few seconds you know and yes. that and that certainly feeds into a subconscious yeah, absolutely and on this that's, i think that's the thing as well isn't it it's that subliminal messaging it isn't just when it's in your face adverts it's actually seeing the logo it's normalizing it and that's the bit that kind of really worries me as well yeah and I think I mean you, you talk about football clubs and who's synonymous with what I mean you, you look at Stoke City I think is arguably you know one of the one of the worst they're, they're now you know the bet free uh, is it bet three six five stadium yeah uh, um, and you know so they have pretty much sold themselves down the, the bet 365 route uh, and you know and hats off to Tranmere Rovers it must be said uh, uh, um, here's a uh, they will be being featured in in our hero of the uh, uh, episode uh, uh, later on uh, in in the podcast um, but 
as much as Tranmere are, are obviously a respectable football club and, and actually um, quite large in terms of size, even though that they're playing down in, in League Two, um, you know, I remember when they were back in the old Division One uh, and so forth. Um, but it, I think it really does need a much bigger sort of Premier League football club to take that stance. You know, I've seen a few of the the lower league clubs and also um, the the lower leagues itself, where they're basically saying, no, we don't want to, uh, we don't want you to be our sponsors of this league, and we don't want you to be involved in our football clubs. That's all well and good, um, having that certainly lower down the pyramid, where you would arguably say that these football clubs are dependent on that money yeah premier league clubs are not dependent on that money you know obviously during the covid19 crisis i feel very um sorry as well for for a lot of these lower league clubs that are very reliant upon you know match day revenue and and sponsorship revenue unlike premier league clubs you talk about you know uh, premier league clubs on average i think the the betway sponsorship for west ham is is approximately 10 million per annum but on average it's usually you know four to seven million per annum that's a drop in the ocean um, for these football clubs. So to make a stand, it's it's a lot more affordable for for those for those clubs. Um, you know, I, I think personally, uh, one of the biggest problems here is the is the lack of competitive markets in in other major industries that could probably afford to get involved with football clubs, um, but they they choose not to uh, to do so because it's probably not worth the money. Um, for the gambling industry, there isn't really a better direct to consumer marketing strategy than being heavily involved in football, and um, you know. Um, like I was just referring to, whilst Premier League clubs may be able to take a much more um, uh, ethical stance on it um, later on down the line, um, clubs in the Championship and lower down the pyramid, and I know Tranmere have done it, may not have such a luxury. Kelly, um, I know that you're not much of a football fan, so I apologise for boring you in so part <laughs> in part two of the podcast. Um, perhaps uh, perhaps where you're from, it's a, it's a bit more rugby league. I don't know. Your, your worry uh, surrounding all of this, uh, among many other things, is the exposure that miners and our future generations are having to suffer at the hands of gambling companies and and the constant bombard, um, bombardment. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think young people, like you say, and the sponsors on shirts for things, you know, it's it's you wouldn't want a young person walking around in a shirt that advertises cigarettes or drugs or you know anything else. But you know, if the, it seems to be okay that they're walking around as a as a gambling billboard, um, you know, and I, I don't agree with that at all. And I just think, you know, how many young people and 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 I know an MP in in the Houses of Parliament had said, I think it was last year that her kids know the songs to, I think it were Gala Bingo, know the song Inside Out to Gala Bingo and, and hum the tune. And so I think like these adverts, we go back to that, that these adverts, you know, they're all singing, all dancing and they have catchy tunes and they're sort of normalising gambling to young people and to children. And, and my concern is that, you know, how many young people these days have a smartphone and, you know, like when back in the day to get on Facebook, you, you had to be of a certain age, you know, and these kids were all putting in the wrong date of birth to make them the age to go on Facebook. Mm-hmm. How easy then is it for young people to do this on smartphones? And also, you know, to go further with, with young people, we gambling and people's uh, opinion on this might differ that the loot boxes in sort of um, FIFA and the loot boxes in Fortnite on, on the games. And I know, you know, my nephew personally, is obsessed with Fortnite and I have real concerns about him in being left uh, alone playing Fortnite not only you know the temptation of sort of buying things and whatever but the the, the predatory side of it of who's online and you know who they're talking to that side of it but 
you know, I just think there is a great risk. And like um, like you said before, normalising gambling to young people. So you go to a stadium and all around the stadium is, is you know, signage of gambling. And, you know, I think one example of this is, and I know myself and I've said this to my partner and it, it's not gambling, it's food related, but every time Hollyoaks comes on at half past six and Domino's sponsor them and you see that lovely pizza with the melting cheese and the pepperoni on, how many people then do you think order a, a Domino's pizza? Mm-hmm. So it's very much similar that, that you know, industries know what they're doing with things and know by, by putting things in a certain place and in a certain colour with a certain tune and they know what they're doing and who they're targeting. So mm-hmm. I have real concern for young people with gambling and gambling addiction. Sure. I mean, I know that uh, a few years back, there was a, a voluntary agreement between Premier League clubs and, and the gambling industry that they would ensure that no logo, logos would appear on, on short, uh, shirts worn by minors. Um, you know, whilst this worked in most instances, I know that, um, you know, some clubs, their junior sizes, I think, went up to like 13, 14. And I think, you know, I think it might have been Newcastle. I think theirs went up to 16. And so that meant there were still many children wearing shirts with uh, betting advertisements on um, for, for some clubs. And, you know, uh, whether that's a, an issue uh, now or not, I'm not sure. But I do remember, I think it might have been 2018, maybe 2017. I remember there being certainly uh, a few cases where, where that was. Um, Chris, have you got anything more to say in terms of, um, you know, uh, what we were just talking about then in terms of, you know, minors, um, you know, wearing these shirts or possibly, you know, more about the uh, uh, industry, uh, betting industry and in football? Well, for me, you know, when it goes back to those shirts, and it is great that um, clubs take the logo off of the kids' shirts. Of course it is. But if you're at a game, the players aren't wearing the kids' shirts, you know. And, and, and that's the point, isn't it? When it's on telly, the players are wearing those shirts. The kids see it regardless. And it is right that it's not on their shirts, but it doesn't take it out of their eye. It's still totally normal to them to see those logos. And the other thing for me, actually, or just touching on the football thing again is, you know, the companies are doing this because the premiership is worldwide. They're trying to get a worldwide audience here. Um, it's not just about, you know, getting people from the UK to sign up. This is global. And I think that's the biggest issue. There are children in every country around the world watching the premiership. Um, and they're all seeing these logos. And, you know, as long as you've got the Internet, wherever you are, you can sign up. That's right. what worries me. I totally, uh, totally agree there, Chris. Now, unfortunately, um, that pretty much wraps um, wraps up all that we've got time for uh, this week. Um, it's obviously been an absolute honour to host the very first All Bets Are Off podcast and a, and a massive, massive thank you goes out to Chris and Kelly uh, for being part of this journey with me. I know that we've all agreed that, um, you know, we were going to be a, a bi-weekly, fortnightly podcast. And, you know, um, we've decided that whilst we're in lockdown, um, you know, so probably for the, the first three possibly episodes that we're going to do it uh, once a week. Um, any any final thoughts that you wish to share, Chris? Oh, just that I'm so thankful this has come together so quickly. It's great to be able to sit with you guys and, um, and hopefully meet a lot of people online from this and help a lot of people um, with regards to gambling related harm. Um, yeah, just fantastic. It's a fantastic opportunity and I can't wait for next week. Brilliant. Kelly? Yeah, my, my thoughts on that are that, you know, the, back in the day when, when I was suffering, there wasn't much help out there. There is lots of help out there today. You know, there's lots of social media platforms where people are willing to help and talk to, you know, and, and, and signpost you. So please don't sit there and suffer in silence and think, you know, 
let the shame and the stigma and the guilt and the embarrassment get the better of you. There is help out there. And if you are suffering, please, please speak out. Absolutely. And I would, uh, and I'm sure we all do, we, we would all um, uh, agree with what Kelly just said there. And in terms of what Kelly has just said there as an extension is, that, you know, I met these two guys, um, you know, on Twitter and, you know, I've only been in my recovery, you know, less than 40 days. And, you know, now we're producing a podcast together. So it goes to show that, you know, the online community, you know, is, is really strong and it can really, really help. Um, I would also uh, like to extend my gratitude to Kish, uh, who's also been on board with this whole idea from the very often and will continue to support uh, we will be back next week with some new uh, discussion points um, for now though um, you know I feel it's super important to end on a positive note I know I alluded it to earlier so uh, apologies for that uh, but there is also an, another hero of the episode as well within that so we have two um, see you all soon thank you bye bye as you'll soon see as we progress with the podcast, I will only ever typically feature one hero of the episode. But today, as we were on the topic of football in the second half of the show, at least, I think that there really does need to be two special mentions here. As Chris and I alluded to, the first one uh, goes to Tranmere Rovers Football Club. The Wirral Peninsula-based team announced last week that they were teaming up with a number of people and organisations, including the Big Step, to help combat the potential increase in online gambling during the current pandemic and hopefully beyond hats off to them and the second one is for league one lincoln city who recently made a conscious and morally ethical choice not to go with a betting company as front of shirt sponsors next season it would appear that the club had a substantial offer on the table but as per the very words of their fan forum stacywest.net lincoln city is not a club for selling its soul nor its principles a massive well done for them on that. See you next week and thank you for listening.